Good morning. Welcome to the Springs. My name is Alberto, and I serve as lead pastor of this church. Thank you. All right. I'm short on words, but I'm, I'm filled with so much gratitude, so much awe, so much love, so much joy. And uh, last week I was visiting my family, and usually when I, when I go home, uh, I love being with them. And then on, on the drive back, it's a three-hour drive back uh, to San Marcos, and I'm usually in my feelings. because I'm sad that, that, that I'm being away from them. And, and, and this time I'm, I'm driving back home and here to San Marcos, and, and Morgan knows the rhythm. She knows that, that you know, let's give it to Waco, and, and then, you know, an hour later you'll be okay. Uh, uh, but this time she asked me, what's going on? Do you miss your family? I said, I miss them. But it's just all starting to hit me that I'm standing here today because of Peter's faithfulness, because of Peter's commitment to the gospel, because of Peter's commitment to see this community transformed, to see this campus transformed, to just invest in people. And I wouldn't be here without him. And, and this moment, though it, it seems like it, it just came yesterday, we're preaching through, through Acts chapter 6, and then this incredible moment happens where the scripture comes alive, and we do what the scripture says, and we transition leadership, and now we're here on this Sunday, and it seems like everything's going by so fast, but when I pause and I think about it, this moment was just a series of moments of God's grace and God's hand orchestrating, not only for my life, but for the life of the church. I mean, I think about the first moment I, I walked onto campus and my family dropped me off and I said, Texas State University, all right, I, I'm here to pursue sin and maybe a degree. Uh, and I didn't know that Jesus pursues sinners. And, and, and Pastor Peter, uh, God tested our elder Thaddeus uh, and, and, and his roommates. And then Thaddeus and his roommates became disciples. And then they started God testing people. And then they, God tested my good friend Chris Ramirez right here. And my freshman year of college, Chris Ramirez invited me to a Bible study. And in that room, I saw people following Jesus wholeheartedly. And my life was never the same. And, and, and this moment it is a long time dream come true. Uh, never in a thousand years would I imagine uh, that this leadership transition would, would take place like this. Because uh, if you haven't noticed, we're outside. Um, uh, in October, with, with, our, with a cloth over our face because of a pandemic, no one saw this coming, yet in true God fashion, God has done exceedingly more, far more abundantly than we can ask, think, or imagine according to his power. Uh, back in January, Peter said, hey, the, the elders and, and, and Mosaic elders, we're going to transition this, this church under your leadership in October. Uh, and October felt so far away. I was like, okay, cool. I can uh, get my life together by then. That seems awesome. And then March comes around and, and, and April and, and the normal rhythms of our, our gatherings are, are disrupted. And, and like everyone, I thought, okay, by the time we get to August, uh, things will have settled down. Uh, life will be back to normal. And then we get to August and my son is born and, and we're still in a pandemic. And so much is happening. So much is changing. We, we, we've made adjustments along the way, but one thing has remained the same. God. God has remained the same and he has gone above and beyond with taking care of us, providing for us and taking us deeper with him. So before I jump into the word, I want to... Uh, 
stay in this moment of thankfulness. Thank you to my family over here uh, joining us from Red Oak. Uh, thank you to my North Carolina family for flying in to be here uh, with us. Thank you to the Springs Church for, for welcoming me in as a, as a knucklehead freshman and inviting me into your home, making space for me, uh, and being so incredibly patient. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Peter. Thank you so much for being an incredible spiritual father to me, to being an incredible friend, and at times a weird uncle. (laughs) I love you. And most importantly, thank you to, to my wife, Morgan. She's inside with our son. Shout out to her and our, and our son, Elias. This is his first Sunday service, which is really cool. Uh, thank you to my wife for being so patient, so graceful, and just saying yes to the journey. I love you, babe. Um, this morning, I, I want to continue leaning into this theme of thankfulness and remembrance. And to do this, I want to look at one portion of Scripture that I pray will be etched into our hearts and our memory. Uh, the reason why is because I sincerely believe that these verses we will look at will be, uh, will be the fuel that will drive us and carry us into the future as a church. So this morning, we're going to be looking at First Chronicles Chapter 16, verses 11 through 12. Will you stand with me to honor the reading of God's word? First Chronicles chapter 16, verses 11 through 12. It says this. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Verse 12. Remember the wondrous works that he has done. And the miracles and judgments he uttered. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated as we pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, we just echo the worship this morning. Holy, holy, holy. You are holy, Father. You are sovereign. You are so good, Lord. Thank you, Father, for your unconditional commitment to us in Christ. And thank you, Lord, for your love and your hand over this church. Father, I pray that you would be with us this morning and that you would help us etch these verses into our memory and into our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, whether you believe it or not, every single person in this room is prone to forgetfulness. Uh, you can have the strongest memory in the room. You can, you can be Morgan Stephen smart, uh, but we're all prone to forgetting a, a thing or two. Uh, for example, this happens to me every week. Uh, my wife asked me to go run to the grocery store, and, and by now in our marriage, she's learned that not only does she have to tell me, she has to text me and also call me while I'm there. Uh, because I will forget what she asked me to buy. Uh, this week she sent me off, said, hey, go buy these ingredients for a cake and also buy dog food because our dog has no food. And I thought to myself, well, uh, I'm a good human being. I'm not going to let my dog starve. Uh, so I go to Target, pick up everything except the dog food. Um, and so Morgan covers my basis. She gets the dog food. My dog's doing well. Thank you for asking. Uh, he did suffer momentarily because of my memory loss, but we're all prone to forgetfulness. Uh, Another area that you may be prone to forgetfulness is your phone usage. Uh, Maybe you pull out your phone to text someone something, and by the time you pull out the contact and get ready to type, you forgot what you're going to say. Or you're scrolling through social media, and a random thought enters your mind, and you think to yourself, I'm going to Google this or research this, and you open your browser, 
and you completely forget what you were going to search. This is at least my problem. Uh, or you walk into a room to do something, and once you get into that room, you completely forget why you walked in the first place. We're all prone to forgetfulness. Now, what does this subject of forgetfulness have to do with the passage we just read? Well, as it relates to our spiritual condition, to our relationship with God, our minds are no stranger to forgetfulness. It's not difficult to forget some of the wonderful things that God has done in our lives. It's actually very easy to forget how involved God has been in our lives. It's very easy to forget how incredibly patient and trustworthy and faithful God has been. It's not too difficult to forget how kind and graceful he has shown us to be. It's not too difficult to forget that he loves us and he's for us. And to make this even more practical, you can be in church right now, worshiping, and then all of a sudden your mind drifts to thinking about the current things that you're worried about, stressed out about, angry, sad. And the next thing you know, you're disengaged. And instead of recalling God's goodness and faithfulness, you're focused on other things. And remembering his love, remembering his character becomes a difficult thing to do. And if we're honest, this is my struggle. Uh, and, And this is one of the reasons why one of the key themes we see throughout the scripture is this idea of remembrance. And why the author of this book of Chronicles is exhorting us to recall the wondrous works of God. The scripture exhorts us to constantly place our minds on Christ and remember who God is and what he has done for us because we are prone to forgetfulness. And when we let forgetfulness be the normal posture of our lives, when we fail to remind ourselves who God is and what he has done, our forgetfulness will give way to all sorts of spiritual and ethical dilemmas. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, we see an entire chapter of the scripture dedicated to remembering the faithful works that the Lord God performed on behalf of Israel, specifically delivering them from the bondage of Egypt through a series of miraculous events. So Moses is exhorting them to remember God in all they do. And in verse 19 of chapter 8, he says this, And if you forget the Lord your God, and go after other gods, lowercase g gods, and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you that you shall surely perish. Uh, It's important to point out that when Moses is saying this, he isn't issuing some sort of magical curse over this people group. He isn't saying that if you start serving these other gods, you'll catch some sort of disease and perish because of a magical curse that will fall on you. Rather, what he's saying is that the byproduct of living and giving yourself to lowercase false gods and idols will be a life of perishing. In other words, giving yourself over to anything but God will not be ultimately life-giving. Jesus says in John chapter 15 that when we are connected to him, when we're abiding, we we bear much fruit. The fruit of love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self 
control, the list goes on. We experience life. We come truly alive in a relationship with Christ. And then he goes on to say in that very chapter, very same chapter, that when we pursue other things, when we live a life disconnected from God, we wither. Because we are willfully removing ourselves from the source of true life. And we're giving ourselves over to sin. That which the Bible says only produces death. So how true is this in our lives today? Uh, When we remember and give thought to how good God is, how do our lives look? Maybe for you, hope arises in your heart. Faith arises. You you remember that, that you've been here before, that this circumstance that you're in is not an unfamiliar one to God. A sense of confidence floods your heart. You may even visually bear the fruit of joy, peace, trust, and confidence in the Lord. But when we forget God's goodness, when we forget his faithfulness and his involvement in our lives, what happens? I don't know about you, but I experience doubt. It's easy for me to abandon hope, experience discouragement, and ultimately find myself feeling distant from God. You see, the Old Testament, this this experience was a familiar experience for the people of God, for the small tribe of Israel in the Old Testament. And for this reason, the author of Chronicles, the, the Old Testament book we just read from, says, remember the wondrous works that God has done, his miracles and the judgments he uttered. Now, I want to tie this idea of remembrance back to this moment. This moment of transition, what does remembrance have to do with me, with you, and with the future of our church? To help answer this question, I want to briefly walk us through some important background information about the verse we just read. Okay, so for starters, we don't really know who wrote this book of Chronicles. We know it was produced by someone who lived a couple hundred years after Israel returned home from the Babylonian exile. And so in the traditional Jewish ordering of the Bible, this book is at the very end of the Old Testament because in some sense it's a summary of the history of Israel. Uh, It summarizes all the Jewish scriptures. And so when we dive into uh, the setting, we see that things aren't going very well. Uh, Jerusalem was destroyed in 586 BC by the Babylonian Empire. There's been a massive deportation of exiles, and now this small nation has come under the rule of another empire, the, the Persian one. And so they return home to a very dark, to a very bleak and devastating situation. They return home with this daunting challenge of, How are we going to rebuild our homes? How are we going to rebuild the cities and the social infrastructure? How are we going to rebuild the temple? And on top of that, there's political corruption and suffering all around them. They're they're coming out of slavery. And there was this great prophetic hope. The hope that the king would come. That the Messiah would arrive. That God's presence would come and dwell among them. And yet none of that has happened. And they're hopeless And they're devastated. And in fact, many of these Jews returned from exile back to their own land, only to remain slaves without a king. So the author's time frame is marked by disappointment. But nonetheless, he proclaims a message of hope and possibility. And and this 
first part of the book, the author does something incredible. He begins to recall past stories of God's glory and faithfulness, specifically in the life of King David. And he does this in order to stir hope for the future. The author of Chronicles has reshaped these stories of David and Solomon and the kings of the past who did incredible things for God and whom God did incredible things through. And he does this in order to provide a message of hope for the future. The author shapes these positive stories about David's success as a king and he introduces new stories like David's plan to prepare and build the temple. And yet while all this is happening, he's encouraging them, and it's not a very encouraging time. But I love this theme, this idea that that in order to look ahead, we must look back. And, And this book is designed to emphasize two clear themes, that the Messiah is coming, let hope arise. And, and, and the temple will be built. And in fact, God will make us his temple. And, and God will indwell us with his presence. And we'll be reconciled and restored back into himself. So this book is, is reminding these people uh, that are experiencing a transition of their own, marked by different emotions and circumstances, oppression, hardship, and suffering. And he's reminding them of moments in their history where, where they've been here before where they've been enslaved and through a series of miraculous events, God has rescued them and lavished them with great love and provision. And the idea is clear that if God was faithful then, he is still surely mighty. He is still great and still awesome and will remain faithful because he is the same. He is unchanging. Though we change, though our circumstances change, though our gathering changes, God does not. He remains the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And so this final book in the Jewish scriptures ends by pointing forward. This book calls people to look back in order to look ahead. Because the past has become the source of hope for the future. Stories of the past to sustain hope for the future. So what does this mean for us? Springs Church, we are moving forward into the future by looking to the past. Remembering God's faithfulness, remembering God's involvement in our life and letting that stir our hearts to worship Him and walk in obedience to His word. You see, church, what is going to carry us and sustain us into the future will not simply be a grand, lofty vision, but recalling and remembering God's faithfulness to us in the past. And I have this confidence. I have this excitement, church. The the future is, it's beautiful. And the future is bright. We are stepping into another season where we're going to see God pour out his blessing and hand over us as a community. We're going to see miracle signs and wonders. We're going to see thousands added to the kingdom. We're going to experience breakthrough and transformation. We're going to see people say yes to Jesus and find life and freedom in him. And whatever God has for us. Whatever it takes to see the gospel advance and disciples made, we're going to say yes. And we're going to move with this confidence that God's already done it before. We're just going to keep moving forward. 
we're going to continue to be a community, a city on a hill that puts on display the wonder and beauty and love of God for all the world to see. We're going to be a people of the way where the community and the people look in on us and say, you have been with Jesus. And we're going to leave here and shape and form and renew the community and the homes and the areas that God has called us to. Because we're going to say yes to all that God has for us. I, I have this confidence deep down inside of me. Because when I look to the past, when I look to our past and our history as a church, I see God's hand covering our church with so much grace, so much provision. So much goodness. God has been so kind to us. God has been so good. Remembering God's faithfulness in the past. Remembering the, who God is and what he has done. This is what is going to launch us into the future. And so what I want to do is I want to close with three stories from the past that I pray will inspire devotion to God and stir your heart up for the future. Story number one, this 2015, uh, we had just been in this building for a couple years, um, and, and many of you were, were here for that season. Uh, in fact, the, the platform wasn't on this side of the building, it was over here, and, uh, and, and there's still remnants of the uh, really bright purple wall in the closet. If you ever just want to get reflective, you can just walk in there and remember the old days. Uh, but there was a point in, in our history as a church where we were positioned to actually purchase this building. And under the leadership of Pastor Peter, uh, we started a capital fund, and and it got a little tricky because we had to raise $80,000 in seven weeks. And uh, it seemed impossible. It seemed incredibly difficult. And I remember being in a financial meeting right after church. Peter was sitting uh, on the platform, and, and one man stands up. And the minute that he stands up, everybody gets quiet. Because this man isn't known for standing up like this. Barak Neely gets up, and you lean in because he's very precise and selective with his words. And, and, and we're like, we're listening to whatever you have to say. And Barak says, God has brought us here. God has made a way for us to gather in this building. He gave the vision to Pastor Peter. He's going to fulfill the vision. God is good. He's going to make a way, and nothing will be too difficult for God. And in seven weeks, we raised $80,000. We moved from renters to owners, and now we have a home in the community. It seemed impossible, but nothing is too difficult for God. The Springs, we are going into the future, and we will face mountains that seem immovable, but we will look to the past and remember that nothing is too difficult for God. The second story I want to share is a, is a personal story, and it speaks volumes of who Pastor Peter is as a leader and his confidence in God's sovereignty. Uh, many, uh, around five years ago, Pastor Peter asked me to teach a, a, a membership class on the subject of the gospel, and I thought to myself, easy, I'll do it, thank you. And uh, I remember feeling uh, the Lord will, will uh, shatter pride through uh, humility or humiliation, uh, I remember being humiliated. <laughs> I remember leading this class and feeling so much disappointment. 
I remember feeling like I was so heartbroken that I had let my leader down and that he had to actually come in and do some damage control uh, for me because I just didn't know how to lead this moment. And I remember feeling so sad, uh, feeling like this desire to just isolate myself, like, how could I have done this? I should have prepared more. And I, I approached Peter and I say, I'm so sorry. I should have worked harder. I should have done better. And Peter said, don't worry about it. You got it next month. And I remember thinking, like, who is this guy? Like, how is he so generous and so graceful and just willing to just give it away and lay his life down and, and take huge risks? And I just come to find out that that's just his DNA, that he is so rooted in God's love and God's sovereignty, and he is so committed to empowering people and seeing people elevated that he's willing to take big risks for God because he believes in people. And I believe that's one of the reasons why in our short 12 years, we've seen almost 18 people sent out from this church to be campus missionaries or church planters or go do ministry in other cities because Pastor Peter would just take risks on people and create space for them to take the pulpit, to take a discipleship class. Uh, And he believed in them and he was willing to manage the risk and manage the failure because he was committed to God and committed to the kingdom. Pastor Peter, thank you. We will... Thank you, Pastor. Springs Church, we will take big risks for God. We will give ourselves to people. We will make space for people that don't look like us or think like us, and we will go as far as love will take us to see people transformed and come alive in Christ. And we'll go out of our way uh, to manage whatever risk or failure that we need to do because God is sovereign. And we're going into the future and we're going to take big risks for God. And when we feel like the risk is too big or, or too messy, we will look back. And remember how God has been faithful to sustain us and to keep us and work out all things for his, for our good and his glory. This is God's church. And he is a sovereign God. The last story I want to share is is the greatest story. And it's the story, the, the hope that the author of Chronicles and every single man and woman of the Old Testament were looking forward to. And this is the story that we ultimately root ourselves in, and that is the gospel. The story that we are going to internalize into our hearts and and let it be the foundation that allows us to build a great and beautiful church and future. This story, uh, I first heard my my freshman year, and uh, it made, I was in Jackson Hall, room 1010 I opened the the Bible and I read John 3.16 for the very first time and I saw the depths of God's love for me in the person of Christ and then I'm at a conference uh, in Austin and I hear the gospel preached and the veil's removed and I say Lord if you sustain this fire all the days of my life I'll serve you I had no theology for this I didn't know that was like a a thing like God would keep me And, and and 10 years later Ten years of seeing God work in my life and in 
our life has just been absolutely incredible. And I, I, I just, I have no words to look back and say, man, God, what, what is this that you would extend your great loving kindness toward us, that you would meet us where we are despite us and reconcile us and redeem us and, and call us to partner with you to see the city and community and nation transformed. And, and all we have to do is say yes to you. The gospel is the reason why we gather. The gospel is the reason why we go and we will continue to build a gospel community that shapes this community and renews this community. And we will be a church that has been with Jesus. And God will build the church. Springs Church, as we move forward, into the future, let us never forget the wondrous works of God. They are here in the form of people, in the form of physical things like a building. God has been so good to us, and I'm so excited about where he, ha- where he is taking us. Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you. Lord, this is your church. This is not the elders' church. This is not my church. This is your church, Lord, and, and we are the body. And Father, as we, as we head into the future, Lord, let us be mindful of your hand working in the past. Lord, let us not forget who you are and what you have done done for us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would always bring to remembrance to the forefront of our mind how good and faithful you have been. And when it looks like these mountains are immovable, we will declare that we've been here before and that nothing is impossible for God. When it seems like the the risk is too big, we will say yes to you, Jesus, if you are leading us and believe that you are going to work all things out for our good. And Father, we thank you that you have called us to yourself. We thank you, Lord, that, that, that we are your temple and that we can walk in this hope of the gospel, that, that we are not alone and that you are with us. Let us remember that Christ in us, the hope of glory, is with us and in our midst and building the church. Father, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name.